a story, and I'm going to tell you another story, although this is a true story, and this is about me. Um, when I was a very young adult, very young adult, so barely a young adult, I ended up in the emergency room, um, and in those days, that was a very long time ago, I'm not going to tell you how long ago, because then you figure out how old I am, but it was a very long time ago before computers before cell phones and before computers. So here I'm in, and I'm really not feeling well. It's crowded, there's a wait, because everything is done by hand, yeah. right? So this woman, this older woman, very matronly, calls me up to the counter to answer this list of questions, and she's gonna fill in the form. So she takes this list of questions, name, address, date of birth. I'm rattling those off because they're easy even when you're sick, right? But then she asked me, what religion? I didn't know how to answer it. I wrestled in my mind, which seemed like an eternity, what to say. I went to church sometimes with my mom, but she didn't drive, so we very seldom ever went. Um, I didn't know anything about the religion where we were going because the services were in a foreign language, a language I didn't understand. I believed there was a God, but that was about the extent of what I knew. My life was being lived anything but right. You understand what I'm saying? Are you older people? Okay. So I stood there while she was growing frustrated with me, and she said again, what religion? And I just looked at her because I didn't know what to say. And she said, do you believe in God? I was like, oh yeah, that's Yeah? I believe there was a God who he was, what he was, where he was, I didn't know. So I said yes. And then she said out loud, as she checked the box, Christian. And that quick, that, quick, that part of the questionnaire was over. What I didn't know at that time in my life is I was not a Christian. My life did not reflect one that worshipped God. I didn't adore God. I didn't adore Jesus. I adored my friends, my agenda, my life, and myself. I didn't want to think about a God. I didn't want to, I didn't, I had no intention of changing my life for anyone. I was living my life in the moments, from moment to moment. And I believe that simply by me not thinking about him, he didn't think about me. He didn't notice me out of the vastness of this planet and all the people on it. 
If I didn't think about him, he wasn't going to think about me. He had far too many other things on his plate, if he indeed thought about anybody. But what I didn't know was in James, the scripture that I came to know later, that says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. This is important. What I learned later was that the devil and the demons believe Jesus is who he said he was. Did you get that? The demons and the devil believe that Jesus said and was who he said he was. When I stood in the ER with that intake clerk, and she asked me what I believed, if I believed in God, I was no different than the devil and the demons. I believed there was a God. I had no depth of faith. I had no roots. Um, I was just a believer that there was a God just like the devil and the demons. And what I've grown to realize through my life with Christ is that there is a difference between a believer and a Christian. A believer knows that there is some kind of God. A Christian endeavors to be who Jesus has called them to be, to live their life. And I was so far from that if I had died before I became a Christian, I would have sentenced myself, because I had a choice, to a forever death, a, a life, a forever life, an eternal life, that would have been separated forever from him. I wouldn't have gotten another chance to get to know him. But that's not what happened to me, obviously, because I'm standing here before you. John 3, um, we know the scripture. I'm going to read a little further back. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, through him, the world, me, might be saved. You might be saved. And I want to, this talks about eternal life, so what is eternal life? If we look at John 17, it's the most incredible prayer that Jesus prays before he ends up on the cross. And I encourage you, if you've not gone in and looked at John 17, he prayed for you and he prayed for me in that prayer. A deep, heartfelt prayer to the Father. And one of the things he said is this from verse 1 through 3. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, 
The hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Wow, the Father gave us to Jesus. And verse 3 continues, and this is eternal life. Pay attention that they, that you and me, may know you, the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life is me knowing God and the Father who sent, is me knowing the Father and the Son whom he sent, Jesus. Not just believing, like the demons and the devil, but knowing him, having a personal relationship like he did in the garden. When he walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, think about that. God was walking with people, but when they sinned, did disobey him, did something he specifically told them not to do, that ended. The personal walks with God in the garden ended. His relationship, the way that Adam and Eve knew it, ended. And Jesus came that we might have a personal relationship with him now. He opens that door for us to walk through that, actually it's the veil, right into the Holy of Holies where we can be in God's presence. Another thing that I learned was that in the midst of what I was doing, the unrighteous deeds and acts that I was participating in, I learned that God was right there with me the whole time. That he thought about me, and he knew me, and he was standing there waiting for me to open the door that he was knocking at. It took me over a decade to open that door from the time I sat in that emergency room. Romans 5.8 said, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, and that's good news for us today. That's the hope we have. 1 John 9, 10, 9 through, 1 John 4, 9 through 10 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, and I certainly didn't, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment, for our sins. Amen. So while I was a sinner, Jesus loved me. He was there in the midst of everything I did that was wrong, and contrary to his nature, he knew it. He noticed me, and he noticed you. He knows you're here tonight, and he notices you. I denied his existence, but he knew me. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. So back to Christmas. 
what today represents. God became flesh so he could live. He came to live a life like us. He suffered as we suffer. He was tempted as we are tempted. And he was establishing and had personal relationships that all of us have today. Remember, he was a son who had an earthly mother and father. Think about that. He was a son with an earthly mother and father. He was a brother who loved his brothers. He loved them. And he was a friend who was to some closer than a brother. He came to make that payment for our sin. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. And we heard in the story what led up to him being that perfect sacrifice. He died that dead on the cross, and all we have to do is believe and follow him. Not just believe, but follow him. He's the first fruits of the resurrection, paving the way for us to follow. We have a reason to celebrate tonight. It's the gospel, the good news, the hope of glory. We can have a personal relationship with him like Adam and Eve did in the garden. We can have that. And it won't end when our mortal bodies die. It's going to continue eternally. This little life we have, of however long we get to be planted here, nothing compared to the enormity of eternity. It heralds the hope we have in our forever future. We celebrate because there's great joy in knowing that we no longer have to fear death because when these bodies die, we keep going. Amen. And we keep going in glory with Jesus. Amen. Right? So tonight, some of you may be where I was a long time ago, believing, and your life still looks the same. Maybe some of you have never made a decision to believe. And maybe some of you made a decision, but now your life looks like mine, mine did, or you believe, but you don't really follow. So, going to do something very unconventional. I'm going to ask everybody to stand, and I want you to, if you're in a row by yourself, um, join hands with the, either the row in front of you or behind you so you're not alone. And uh, I'm going to ask you to really think about this tonight. I want you to really think about where you are with Christ and where where you would be if he walked into this room right now. Frank's uh, grandmother tells a story of when his grandfather died that he called to her and uh, he was sitting on the edge of their bed and she was in the kitchen, tiny little house, two rooms. And uh, he said, Lily, come quick. Come quick. The angels are coming to gather me home. And as she walked into the room, she saw him lay over and die. If 
Jesus walked through that door today with the angels to carry you home, would you go? Would you be going with him? Or would he be coming for someone else? I know when I was that young woman I told you about in the emergency room, if he had walked in, he wouldn't have been coming for me. And I didn't steal or cheat or do things that would have harmed somebody else. But I certainly wasn't following him. So I'm going to have you close your eyes. And what I want you to think about is where you are. And it's tonight the night that things are going to change for you. It's tonight the night that you're going to come out of where you are and become a follower of Jesus. That's what a Christian is, a follower of Jesus. And if tonight is that night, I want you to squeeze the hands of the people you are holding, the other people, squeeze their hands that tonight is your night. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to tell anyone in this room except for the two people standing next to you. However, I'm going to encourage you to tell somebody. Because if you do that tonight before you walk out of here, you've begun to cement your relationship with Jesus. It's a personal relationship, so you have to tell somebody, I've made friends with Jesus tonight. Now, if you want to tell somebody, you can tell the whole room, but I won't make you. So, I'm going to count three. And if that's you tonight, squeeze the hand of the person. If you've got two hands, squeeze both, both people's hands, if that's you. Now, and then what I'd like you to do is talk to Jesus. I tell you to pray a specific prayer, but there is no specific prayer. You have to say something along the lines of, Jesus, I know I haven't been with you, but I'm for you now. And uh, I want to be a part of your family, and I want to follow you. We ask Jesus, he died to wash away our sins, so we can say, Jesus, thank you for washing away my sins. Thank you for making me clean and let me step into your presence and lead and guide me in my life. And that's as simple as it has to get. Is there anyone in here who wants to publicly declare that tonight they became a follower of Jesus, either again or first time? Thank you, Deborah. Anyone else? Okay. I'm going to give you a few minutes, and if you change your mind, please come find one of us.
That's probably my favorite old carol. Favorite new one is Bethlehem Morning, and that's not new anymore. It was written in France. A church in a small town had had their organ repaired. It had not been able to play it for a while, and so they were going to reintroduce it at their Christmas Eve service, and they wanted to make it special. And so they recruited a poet who happened to be a socialist to write a poem. And so he wrote this great Christmas poem. It's translated into English as Oh Holy Night. If you read the literal translation, it is powerful. And so in the midst of writing this poem, he was meditating on the Luke version of the Christmas story. And he crossed paths with a Jewish composer and recruited him to write a tune for it. And it was so good that it swept France like wildfire. The state church caught wind of it and denounced it because <laughs> the music was not written by a Christian. A Jewish guy wrote it, who was not a believer in Yeshua as his Messiah. And the lyrics were written by a socialist. <laughs> but it was too late. It had already embedded in the culture and swept around to America when the words were translated into English. Who knows? God can use anyone, can he not? To do great things. And he can use you. I just want to thank our team today. Our Aaron and Esther and Sherry and Deborah and Isabella. Mike, Mike Alex's father again. Alex, can you stand again? Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Merry Christmas, everyone. I want to try this. Was it Alex or was it this microphone? Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas, y'all. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You must have had some help. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a good day. Oh, still watch me. God bless you, one and all. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And Marianna, God bless you. She produces the Christmas Eve service every year. This is the 10th year. You ready to go for 10 more? <laughs> anyway, it brings a great message. Just thank you so much. God bless you. Hallelujah. Go get them, tigers. Amen. Merry Christmas.